Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. I want you to go ahead and be seated. I love you so much. You're precious. You look beautiful today. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Some of y'all say, well, Apostle, what are you doing? I'm sitting down because I want to take some time and talk to you. I'm going to talk to you from the heart of a father. You know, Paul said we have 10,000 instructors, but only a few fathers. So I believe I'm old enough and I've been doing this long enough now, my 26th year, that I can speak as a father to this house. How many of you would like to hear from the heart of a father this morning? Come on. And, you know, like I said, I believe that we have lots of instructors, but Paul said 10,000 instructors, but only a few fathers. Now, we're, we're having a series, or I'm teaching a series on identity. Last week here in Orman, I taught about our identity as believers. Remember, we declared, I am a saint. Any saints in the house? Let me hear from the saints. Come on. And then I'm chosen. Any chosen people? Tell somebody next to you, this is the chosen row. Come on. Okay, and then number three, I'm blessed. Where are the blessed people at? Any, any blessed people in stadium seating? Any blessed people in the back? Make a little noise if you're blessed. And then finally, number four, I'm adopted. That means I'm a child of the king. But again, today I want to talk to you from my very heart, right into the heart of this Calvary family. And I want to speak the truth in love because I believe that real truth needs to be spoken in the earth today. And I believe on the matters that I'm about to address, love only flows from truth. So we're going to take our text from Genesis 1:27, and then I'm going to read a text from Matthew 19. But the Bible says here, precious, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, male and female. He created him. Now, now watch this. This is declared in Genesis by God himself because all scripture is God-breathed, but then it's affirmed by Jesus in Matthew 19. Some of the Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus, trap him with the question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus said, haven't you heard or read the scriptures, Jesus replied, They record that from the beginning, this is Jesus talking, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man, here we go, must leave his father and mother and join to his wife and the two are united as one. And since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now, now God defines gender. Jesus affirms it. But not only does he affirm gender, he also affirms and defines marriage. And that being between a man and a woman. So the reality is, as I teach today, 
We are made, the Bible says, in the image of God. Some of y'all say, well, Apostle, what does God look like? He looks like me. <laughs> he looks like you. And what the enemy wants to do is remake us into his. The devil wants to steal our identity. And he's truly after our identity, not only as believers, but also as God's most prized and precious creation. So today I'm going to take some time and I'm going to teach a message called identity theft. And I'd like for you to take out your phone right now. And if you have a Facebook, I want everybody that will, I want you to share this on your Facebook page. Because I believe that this is one of the most important messages that I've ever preached in many decades of ministry. Now the Bible says in John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to steal. And, I, and, and all the love that I can gather up in my heart, I want to preach truth to you today. Because what I clearly see is the assault of the enemy on this generation. I see the enemy trying to rob them of their identity. In particular, gender identity. And I'm going to cover this with a heart of love. And even if it goes against the grain, and even if this is hard for you to hear, I'm going to ask you to listen to me. And let's take things from a biblical per perspective. A couple of days ago, I was filling out a new patient document at the doctor's office. And I was surprised when one of the questions said, what sex were you? When you were born, what gender were you? I felt like saying the very same gender I am right now. And then it goes on to say, well, what are your pronouns? I'm thinking, my pronouns? Finally, I just put, come on, man. <laughs> I'm not trying to be ugly today. I'm not trying to be mean. But one of the things we must stop doing is trying to normalize what is abnormal. We've got to stop. And you expect things like that in the world. But it's shocking now to see it invading the house of the Lord. Ultimately, Satan wants to steal our identity. And I read something recently that made me scratch my head. Now, it would have made me scratch my head even if I weren't a Christ follower. Are there any Christ followers here today? Or Palm Coast or NNSB? It just made me scratch my head as a human being. Facebook now allows 71 options for gender selection, 71. How is that even possible? I mean, come on. Facebook allows 71 options, but God says there too. So the question every believing believer must answer is this, who do I trust? Do I trust Mark Zuckerberg or whatever his name is? 
or do I trust my creator? Do I trust the one who made me? I'm going to trust the one who created me. I don't know about you. You may say, well, apostle, that doesn't have an effect on me. I don't do social media. Yeah, maybe you don't, but let me ask you, do you go to the bathroom? Because you can't even be sure who's going to be in the bathroom with you nowadays. Come on, somebody. Let's try to understand some of the main ways that all these supposed genders identify themselves. The most familiar is LBGTQ, lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender, and questioning. For years, there was just the LBG, lesbian, bisexual, and gay. And I think unless you've been under a rock, you're familiar with these. But now, what has truly emerged is something called transgender. And transgender is an umbrella term where by people who are born one sex now identify as another. And we have churches now, mainline denominations, who are embracing this hook, line, and sinker. I saw a church just recently who hired a transgender kids pastor. God have mercy on us. So transgender is an umbrella term where people are born one sex and they identify as another. Hear me now, I'm speaking from a heart of love. But then there's something called non-binary gender identity. That's a gender identity other than male or female. What is that? I don't know. Because there is no such thing. Now we could talk about intersex, people that are born with a very rare condition. And it's point it's 0.18% where they're born with this extremely rare condition where they have male and female parts and but it's so very small that there's no justification. This is a physical condition that people are born with. But we're trying now to say that you can be born a male, but yet identify yourself as a female. You can be born a female and identify yourself as a male. So you have transgender, non-binary gender identity, a gender identity that is neither male nor female. And there's a whole lot more, but these are just the basics, young person. But here's what you've got to know. Following Jesus and living by his word causes us to have a night and day difference in our lives because we don't run everything through the world's filter, but we run everything through the filter of the Bible. That's sexuality, that's marriage, that's gender. And we get our direction from the Bible. 
We don't get our direction from the AMA, American Medical Association. We don't get our direction from the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. We don't get our direction from social media. We don't get our direction from CNN, Fox, or anybody else. We get our direction from the word of the living God, the one who created us. That's our filter. And the problem we are facing nowadays, listen, young person, is that many in the church, rather than embracing the absolute truth of the Bible, have opted for the relative truth of the world. Now, now here's what the difference is. Relative truth is truth that is relative based, to the situ- based on the situation or the circumstance that you're in. It's changing truth. It's truth that changes with the times. In other words, truth can be modified. And it goes something like this. You you must be true to yourself. The most important thing you can do is embrace your own truth because your own truth is truth to you, even if it's a lie. It it says you must be free to live any way you want to live and free to do whatever makes you happy. Yet, God is more concerned with holiness than he is happiness because he knows ultimately holiness is the path to happiness. Relative truth says, no one, not even the one who created me, has the right to tell me what is wrong or right because I determine those standards for myself. And that is what we are fed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's what our children are hearing. We're fed that by the world, by TV, by social media, by stars, by notable people. We're fed that constantly. And this is why the church cannot be silent on these matters anymore. Because if we are, we will stand before God for it. This is what our children hear nonstop. This is what our teenagers hear nonstop. So there is relative truth, but then there's the biblical narrative. And the biblical narrative, we believe, is absolute truth. What does that mean, Apostle? That means whatever was true yesterday is true today. Whatever was true for my mother is true for me. Whatever was true for my grandparents is true for me. Oh, come on now. Whatever was true for Paul is true for me. Whatever is true for Jesus is true for me. Where are the people that understands that your life has to be lived according to a biblical narrative that is absolute truth? You say, Apostle, you're out of touch because we're living in a different day. But the Bible said in Psalms 119, 89, forever, O Lord, forever. Not just a a few days, not just once in a while, not just a year or two, but forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. It's settled. It doesn't change. 
what is biblical truth, apostle? Listen, young person. Because I want to equip you to be able to have conversations with your friends. What is biblical truth? Biblical truth is something like this. God exists. He designed and created everything in the universe, including me, and he called it very good. How about this? God's authority supersedes man's authority. And he establishes truth and he establishes, here it goes, listen young person, listen mom and dad, boundaries for us to live in. Don't hear much about boundaries anymore, do we? But boundaries keep us safe. Hello, somebody. Absolute truth says that, that sin is real. And not only is sin real, young person, hear me. Hear me, mom and dad. Sin has consequences. But here's the great news. Here's the absolute truth. God did not leave us bound to the power of sin. <laughs> but gives us power to overcome sin because of Jesus Christ. Who would admit today that maybe you ain't perfect, maybe you ain't got it all together, but the mess that used to bind you before you met Jesus doesn't bind you anymore and you've overcome it by the blood of the lamb and through the work of Jesus Christ. If that's you, make a little noise in the room right now. Come on, Palm Coast. Come on, NSB. Come on, Ormond. But here's one of the most important parts of it. Now listen to me, everybody. What we do in this life affects the next life. Hmm? Still believe I love you? Tell everybody on your row, he loves me the most. Come on. I love you, love your family, love your children. That's why I'm going to preach this. What we do in this life affects the next life. That means heaven is real, but so is hell. And this that we teach is anchored in absolute truth. And the truth is true from generation to generation. And what we need now is fathers that will rise up in the church, apostles and prophets and evangelists, mothers and bishops and teachers who will rise up and not walk in fear to the culture, who walk by faith and not by sight, who aren't trying to be popular, but who are trying to get people to heaven. Hallelujah. Now, I'll tell you something that some leaders won't tell you, young person. Sin is still sin. Sin still divides us, separates us from God. And here's something I want you to understand, and you can write this down. It's impossible for something to be morally right and biblically wrong. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's impossible for it to be morally right and be biblically wrong. If you profess Jesus and claim to be a part of his kingdom, then the standard for right and wrong is the word of the Lord. Too many want to claim Jesus as Savior, but they want to reject him as Lord. 
They want him to save their souls. They want him to. They want his protection. They want his blessing. They want his healing. They want his power. They want his redemption. They want heaven, but they reject him as Lord. But I've come to tell you that you can't have one without the other. You can't say, Lord, save me, but don't tell me how to live. You can't say, Lord, save me, but don't have any impact on my life. That is a trick of the enemy. So we have to live our lives, young person, college student, university person, intellectual person, spiritual person, carnal person. We have to live our lives based on what the Bible says. So what does the Bible say about gender and marriage? Now Jesus said this. One of the tricks that the enemy tries to do is say, you know, Jesus never addressed gender. He never addressed uh, uh, marriage. Jesus never talked about these things. Don't you believe it for a second? Because what I'm about to share with you is written in the Gospels more than just in Matthew. Matthew 19, let's revisit our text. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason, haven't you heard the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, from the what? I can't hear you from the beginning. God made them male and female. And, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mothers and is joined to his husband. No. Where y'all at? I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm trying to be truthful. And listen, if I won't stand up here and tell the truth, I'm not fit to lead this church. I'm not fit. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. He's talking about marriage and divorce here between a man and a woman. But isn't it something that he clearly defines gender as male and female? He didn't even have to go there, but he did. And what I'm trying to tell you is this. Maleness and femaleness are written into the very fabric of the universe. When asked the question about marriage, Jesus doesn't start with the culture. He starts with creation. He doesn't consult the culture to determine his answer. He consults creation all the way back in the beginning. You know why Jesus was qualified to talk about it? Because he was present at creation. The Bible said, let us make man in our own image. Jesus had a firsthand account because he was there. Oh. Jesus. He doesn't consult the culture. What is the church doing? What are these preachers doing? Consulting the culture. Y'all bear with me. We have to consult the word of God. See, Jesus clearly tells them basically this. We don't get to redefine gender or marriage. Okay, got three people. God has already clearly defined it and said that it was very good. 
We don't, we don't, we don't get to redefine it. God has already defined it. He looked at everything he created and he said it is very good. Now, now good in Genesis 1 is to find what is morally good and what is morally beautiful. And I want to tell you this is the absolute truth. This is not relative truth. You're either XX or XY. You're not XYZ. Come on, somebody. You're not WXYZ. You're not LMNOP. Come on, somebody. Where, where are the people that got a little sense and you understand what I'm talking about? You're either XX or XY. And, and I want to tell you something, young person, that you must hear today. How you feel doesn't change your gender. Anybody watching me online, I say this with the greatest heart of love, and I know that I'm going to get a lot of hate mail and all that, but I'm ready for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, but anybody that's watching me online, you've got to understand, you've got to get this deep down inside of you, that how you feel doesn't change your gender. You say, but apostle, you're just out of touch with the culture. No, precious. I'm not out of touch with the culture. I'm in touch with the truth. Here's a big phrase from the last several years. Follow the science. Our culture says your psychology is your sexual identity. Let your body be conformed to it. But the Bible says your body is your sexual identity. Let your mind be conformed to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying, young person? Your psychology is not your sexual identity. Your, your, your body is your sexual identity. And the Bible said, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And whether it's addiction, whether it's lust, whether it's, whether it's greed, whether it's transgenderism, you will never change until your mind is transformed and renewed. Transgenderism, then, precious, is not a battle for what's male and female. Are you hearing me? You ready? It's deeper than that. It's a battle for what is truth and for what is a lie. You missed it. It's a battle for what is truth and what is a lie. No matter what society says, y'all, you cannot separate birth, sex from gender. No matter what society said, you cannot separate chromosomes from gender. You cannot separate genitalia from gender. Well, where's, give me some Bible for that. Okay, I was hoping you wanted some. And, I, and I'm preaching with love, right? For although they knew God, Romans 1, they did not honor him as God. They, 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 they did not give thanks to him as God. But they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. 
because they exchanged the truth about God, about who he is, who he created. They exchanged the truth for a lie and worshiped and served the creature, the self, rather than the creator. What does that mean? I know what I am. I know the best way. I know how to do it. It's my decision to make. And church, we must love all people, but we cannot exchange the truth for a lie because we're trying to fit in with the pattern of this world. Can't do it. And I'm telling you, I will never do it. I will never do it. Well, they'll take your tax exempt status. Come and get it. I'll never do it. They'll put you in jail. Come and handcuff me today. I'll never do it because I'm going to preach the truth. They'll take your building away. Meet me under a tree because I'll be preaching under a tree. I will not change what the Bible says. Won't do it. Can't do it. I love your children too much. I love your babies too much. I love this generation too much. And I won't cave no matter how much pressure comes from society. Why? Because we cannot exchange the truth for a lie. Even about gender. Even about sexuality. Can I tell you this? Because we see a lot. And I'm going to tell you this. Anybody that knows me knows I'm kind to everybody. I travel all over America. I'm in L.A. I'm in New York. I'm preaching somewhere almost all the time. And I see a lot. And I am kind to everybody. No matter what their sexual preference is, no matter what they look like, I'm kind to everybody. You know, church, we got to love all people. but we don't have to excuse sin. So what are you trying to say? Listen to me, young lady. Men are men, and women are women, no matter what you wear. No matter you got a weave or a wig, or makeup, or cut your hair, Men are men, women are women. I don't believe that. Well, I'm going to tell you, the truth is told every time when you take a shower. Where, where, where are y'all at? You still with me? You still trying to manage some, y'all? Come on now. You say, apostle, it's no big deal. Really? Let them wear what they want to wear. It's no big deal. Now, I grew up where it was crazy strict. And they were enforcing things that didn't even have anything to do with the Bible. But Deuteronomy 22.5 says this. A woman must not put on men's clothing. And a man must not wear women's clothing. Oh, it's intense now, isn't it? Love everybody. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. That's what the Bible says. Why, why do you think God was so upset about that, Apostle? Because 
they worship a God called Baal, and I taught on this several months ago. And one of the things that happened there was very much hedonistic sexual behavior, including promiscuousness and uh, homosexuality. But then there was a point in the worship where people would come in and men would be dressed like women and women would be dressed like men. And God was saying basically, when you do this, this is adultery because you're exalting the creature above the creation. Oh. It was adultery then and it's adultery now. Throughout the Bible, listen, biological females were expected to identify as females and express themselves as females and biological males were expected to identify themselves as males and express themselves as males. And I'm going to tell you, church, what we need to do. We need to humble ourselves and receive biblical correction from the cultural moment that we are living in because God's word is the final authority. I say this in love, but to the Methodist church that is warring right now with all this gender identity stuff, you need to humble yourself and receive biblical correction from the cultural moment that you are living in God's word is the final authority. I said to the Episcopalian church, I said to every Pentecostal church that is flirting on the line, humble yourselves. Every Baptist church, humble yourselves and receive biblical correction from the cultural moment that we are living in. This is what the Bible says. And, and, and listen, I know some of you are saying, well, bless God, preach it, preacher. That's good. Come on. Them men, they need to act like men. You know, them men need to have hairy chests and stink a little bit. Come on, somebody. Them women need to act like women. And I agree with you to a certain extent. Hear me now, but not totally defined by society and today's standards. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that not every man is going to love football and fix cars. I love football, but I can't fix cars, but I can break them. And if it wasn't for me, the guys who can fix cars wouldn't have a job. Praise the Lord. Every woman is not going to wear pink all the time and live in the kitchen. Where are y'all at? I'm about to mess you guys up pretty good. Are you ready for this? In Exodus, God gifted two men, Basileel and Oholiab, Oholiab, to cut stones, to carve woods, and to design and sew garments. So you got a guy who is sewing clothes, but he's still a man. In Judges, you got a woman named Deborah who led Israel to war, and a, and a woman named Joel or Jael who drove a tent peg right in the side of a man's head and killed it. They, these are bad women. Come on. We expect our women to act the same, our men to act the same. That's not biblical gender. David was the ultimate warrior king, y'all. 
Come on now. He would kill you and then write a song about it. Can I get a witness? David was the ultimate warrior king, but he wrote poetry. He was given over to fits of crying. And he danced before the Lord with all of his might. But he was a man. Jesus turned over tables in the temple. He took on the religious establishment. But yet the Bible says that he wept over Jerusalem and wanted to gather them up. Like a mother hen gathers up her chicks. Oh, preacher, them men, they can only do this, and them women, they can only do that. Women belong in the kitchen. Let me give you something free right here. It ain't going to cost you nothing. Women belong in the kitchen. Men belong in the kitchen. Everybody belongs in the kitchen. There's food in the kitchen. That's what it... Where y'all at? Women belong in the kitchen. Men belong in the kitchen. Everyone belongs in the kitchen. That's where the food is. And I guarantee you this, if don't go to the kitchen and make me some food, I'll find my way to the kitchen and I'll fry me an egg and all. The truth is, y'all, God provides boundaries for gender, for sexuality, for marriage. And he does it for our good and for his glory. He provides boundaries, but watch this young person. Listen, listen, this is important. But they are wide boundaries. God made male and female, and that doesn't mean we all have to act the same, but you cannot cross the line and believe that you're another gender. We cannot cross the line because these boundaries are, are wide. That means we don't have to all act exactly the same. But when we say we're another gender, we're crossing the line. And here's the reality. Listen to me, young lady. Listen to me, young man. You have incredible freedom when it comes to marriage. You can marry any other adult of the opposite sex and there are billions to choose from. Billions. Boy, isn't that a nice God? say, Apostle, what are you doing? I'm speaking truth. Why? Because the battleground has shifted and now they're after our children. We need to teach our children what it means to be a boy. And we need to teach our girls what it means to be a girl. That doesn't mean all guns and football for boys and it doesn't mean all baby dolls and bows for girls. It's a lot deeper than that. It means that we teach our boys how to love our girls. How to lead them in the right way. Not not to dominate them as husbands. Well, don't you know, the Bible says, preacher, that women must submit to the man. The man's got the power. Yeah, but he also says that you should love the woman as Christ loves the church. Let me tell you something, you bossy man. You male chauvinist that needs a touch from heaven. You start loving that woman like Christ loves the church. She'll do anything for you, baby. You ain't going to have no trouble because she has confidence that you care about her. 
domineering women. You know who you are. It means boys learn to love and lead as servants and protectors of women. And it means girls learning to relate to boys in the right way by watching their fathers and their uncles and their pastors. Come on, somebody. And understanding that femininity is not weakness. Nurturing is not weakness. It's a beautiful strength. This is why, y'all, we must guide our children. Are you still with me? We must guide our children because if we don't, the sexualized culture will. So our children are the battleground in this social struggle. You hear about little children now who think that they're transgender. And they're often led into that by their parents. But I'm telling you, just because a, a, a girl wants to play football, that does not mean she's identifying as a boy. And just because a boy might, might pay, play with baby dolls with his sister, that doesn't mean he's a girl. Come on, somebody. We're so lost now that we're leading these children into thinking that they're transgender. You've seen parents and doctors who do this and they start puberty blocking treatment on elementary school children. I read this morning about a woman who was boasting that she had the youngest transgender child in the world, two and a half years old. How does a two and a half year old even know There's a bill right now in Washington State that would allow minors to enter into gender transition without parental, consent, without parental consent. Can you believe that? And they are now offering to hide these children in special shelters while this is going on. They'll take somebody's child who is a minor and hide that child. I'm telling you, if you don't see the enemy in this, if you don't see the works of the enemy in this, they're after our children. But I have come to ring hell's bells. I have come to let every demon and every devil know that there is still a church that believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that still believe that we need to protect our children, that we still love everybody. We don't hate anybody, but we're telling you, you cannot have our children. You cannot have our babies. I said you cannot have our babies. We will not be silent. I'm not going to do it. If you, if you leave me over this message, I love you. I hope you come back. But if you come back, I'll be preaching this same message. Apostle. Why is the agenda, and we're going to get clear right now, why is the agenda so intense and why are they after our children? Because here's what I read. You ready for this? 
The most exhaustive study ever made shows that between 80 and 95% of kids who struggle with gender identity issues wind up identifying as their own sex by the time they reach puberty. Did you hear what I just said? 80 to 95%. That means they know if they don't get them as babies, they're going to lose them. The transgender community and that, 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 that agenda of hell is going after children one child at a time. In a world that is lost, people now want to be addressed by their pronouns. She, her, he, him, they, them, we, us. How are you going to be we, us? All of us. I'm, a, I'm we, them, us, they. All of them. I'm going to give you a side note here. The only time I read in the Bible when somebody addressed themselves as we, they were demon-possessed. Legion, for we are many. The truth is Satan is determined to make those in God's image into his own image to distort and steal someone's spiritual identity and their physical identity. And it's the worst case of identity theft that I've ever seen. I read something recently that is pretty shocking. Because they'll tell you, man, these people who are transgender, they're living their truth and they're doing so much better and they've got so much more peace. I read this and it's true. Transgender people are 20 times more likely to commit suicide. You know why? Because there's no real peace in that. Because they're operating in opposition to what and who God made them to be. Here's the deal. Here's what I've come to understand. This is where the heart of love has to come from the church. Listen to me, Palm Coast. Listen to me in SB. Listen to me online. Listen to me here in the main campus. Listen to me, you who watch this after the fact. Listen to me, preacher. Don't you be hateful. Don't you be ugly. Don't you stand up like a Bible thumper and preach without hope or truth or redemption. No, you know what the problem is? They're hurting. They're hurting. They're lost. They're wounded. And regardless if they struggle with transgenderism, regardless if they struggle with same-sex attractions and behavior or anything else, we've got to preach the truth and speak the truth. Even in a time when, when people are trying to hijack the Bible, we've got to preach it and teach it in love because they're hurting. I said they're hurting. They're cut. We want to get mad and upset. Not love them. I've watched this agenda try to hijack the Bible. Listen to me now. Listen to me, young person. They try to hijack Paul's writing and say, Paul never really addressed homosexuality. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, you know, if you look back at the original text, Paul was talking about a male prostitute. Listen, you better read the Bible because the two words that Paul used are linked all the way back to the Old Testament in the Hebrew and he could have chose a different phrase, but he didn't. It's all linked to homosexuality. That's in 1 Corinthians 6, Romans 1, but in 1 Timothy 1, and there are several more uh, occasions that Paul addressed it, but in 1 Timothy 1, he addressed homosexuality and he addressed it as a sin and he used the word arsenoketis and it literally means this, homosexual or sodomite. That means you cannot take part of the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. 
Homosexuality is a sin. If you're struggling with that, we still love you. But it doesn't change what the Bible says. Apostle, why don't you change what you're preaching? Because I don't have the credibility. I don't have the the ability. I don't have the right to change what the Bible says. I have to stay with what the Word says, y'all. I can't change it. And if I change it, you better leave this church. If I change it, you better run out. If I change it, you better get your children. But that don't mean I have to hate people. That don't mean I have to despise people who are struggling. Come and play a little bit. Romans 1, remember I shared a little bit of that text, but the Bible said God gave them up to the lust of their bodies. They exchanged the natural use of a man. One place in the Bible, the natural use for a woman. It says they exchanged the truth Mm -hmm. for a lie. And watch this. Look at me, young person. Listen very closely. And gave them up to dishonorable passions. Enough already. Enough, church. I've had all I can stand. Enough with redefining gender and the church winking at it. Enough. Enough saying that you can be a practicing homosexual and go, enough, enough. It's dishonoring. It's sin. It's the same as if someone came into my office, a man said, I'm married, but I like that woman and she's good looking. And I'm going to pursue that woman and I'm going to have sexual relationships with her. Just as dishonoring. Oh, we want to we get out our hammer and we want to pound on everything that we don't like. But we want to, oh, let me watch whatever I want to watch. Pornography is no big deal. I can watch a little. I, you know, yeah, no, it's dishonoring and it's sin. And here's what I know. You listening to me? We live in a broken world, young person. And people are broken. And they are struggling. And we, as the church, must love them in their brokenness. And this is the tension that I always feel. Because I'm always trying to preach truth, but I'm never wanting to preach it with a heart that's not full of love. And here's the reality. No matter how broken someone is, watch this. There's hope in Jesus. Well, how many of you believe that there's still hope in Jesus? Come on, I said, how many of you believe that there's still hope in the Lord? Mark 8, 34, get ready now. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, this is Jesus talking, he said, 
If any of you wants to be my follower, how many of you want to be a follower of Jesus? Come on. Palm Coast, NSB, who wants to be a follower of Jesus? Make a little noise if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Yes, I do, Apostle. Okay. Here it is. You were just cheering. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must what? You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life up for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. He said, if, if you, if you want to be my follower, you got to give up your own way. I want you to hear me now. I want you to hear me from deep down in my heart. No matter what your struggle is, I want you to come to Jesus. Oh, you can come to Jesus struggling. You can come to Jesus as a transgender. You can come to Jesus promiscuous. Come on. I said, come on. You can come addicted. You can come with your mouth filled with filthy language. You can come to Jesus as an adulterer. You can come to Jesus mean. You can come to Jesus full of lies and lusting. You can come to Jesus bound. You can come to Jesus any way you are in. You can come to Jesus. We're real good at getting people to come to Jesus. But there's too much coming and going. I'm struggling, apostle, come to Jesus. I'm dealing with gender identities, come to Jesus. I'm dealing with sexual issues, come to Jesus. I'm promiscuous, come to Jesus. I, I use filthy language, come to Jesus. I'm bound by pornography, come to Jesus. I'm bound by addiction, come to Jesus. I'm just plain mean, come to Jesus. I have trouble with the truth, come to Jesus. I would say this to you, look at me now, precious. I'm going to talk to you like I would talk to one of my own children. I'm going to talk to you like I talk to my son or one of my girls. Coming to Jesus is one thing. Following Jesus is another. What do you do when you follow Jesus? You give up your own way. You give up your own design and your own desire. You take up your cross. And you follow him. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. That doesn't mean that you don't have struggles. But what it does mean, young person, is this. 
You're letting go. And your mind is being renewed. You're not being conformed to this world, but you're being transformed. Some of you have come to Jesus. Now we're way beyond just transgenderism or sexual identity or homosexuality or just promiscuousness. Now we're talking real talk. Some of you young people have come to Jesus, but you ain't following him. You'll come to him on Sunday morning and dance in church, but cuss with your friends at school. Some of you men in this church, you'll come on Sunday morning, but you ain't following Jesus. You'll laugh at the nasty jokes at work. You'll fit right in. Some of you women, not all of you, but there's always some. Some of you college students, it's not enough to come to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. So here's the deal. God wants to restore identity today. God wants you to know who you are. If you're struggling with the transgender issue or any other issue, Jesus is right here. And he can change your life forever. So I don't want anybody to, to leave. I'm going to release you in just a moment. How many of you received the word today? Anybody receive it? Anybody grateful for the word that brings life and hope? And Anybody still love me? You still? Hey. Well, I didn't like what he preached. Well, come back. Maybe next week I'll preach something you like. Who knows? Everybody stand to your feet. Why don't you just slip up your hands and let's welcome the Spirit of the Lord in this house right now. Palm Coast, NSB. Why don't you slip up your hands? And I mean, none of us are perfect, especially me. I certainly could handle a little bit more conforming right now or transforming that would be I could, I, could, I could use a little bit of work today could you slip up your hands as Pastor John sings and let's worship come to the altar all who are hungry and empty come be filled come to the master Bring your disaster, let your heart be healed. His arms are open for all who are broken. He makes all things new. So come to the altar where all you can offer is you. My, 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 sing song. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, he makes it all right, 
I'm going to ask for no traffic right now. The Lord is here. Somebody raise up your hands. Come on. Come on in, SB. Sing, John. Give your like there's some people here who want to be a Christ follower. You don't want to just come to Jesus. You want to follow him. And you've struggled with things. So a lot of the things that I talked about today and other things. But this is a moment of surrender where you're not just going to come and go. But you know it's time for me to follow Jesus. I want to follow him, apostle. And I want to give up my own way. I want to give up my own agenda. So I'm going to ask you, young person, college student, mom or dad, brother or sister, if that's you, 
I want you to come forward right now. Come on. There is nothing stronger than the wonder Come on. Come on. That's it, son. If you want to follow him, come on. Y'all, this is a different kind of call. If you want to follow, that's it, honey. Here they come. Here they come. Come on, daughters and sons. Y'all, here they come. I want to follow him. I want to follow him. Come on, sir. I've been coming, Apostle, but now I want to follow. Come on now, this is a moment. This is a moment spread across the front. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm not having you raise your hands. I'm not sneaking you up. This is a public proclamation. And I'm going to follow Jesus. Come on. Here they come. I wish that you would rejoice as people are coming right now. Bring them. On the campuses, they're coming. Hallelujah. If you need to come, come. It's time to be a Christ follower. It's time to give up your own way. That's it. Come on. Come on. happening right now. This is not shallow. I want to tell anybody here today, come to Jesus. But come to him and let the enemy know, devil, you're not going to steal my identity when I walk away from you. So I'm going to count down from 10 and if you need to come, I want you folks to pray. I want you to come right now. Because today can change everything for you. There they come. Ten. Nine. That's it. Eight. Seven. That's it. Bless you, darling. Six. You've got a child that needs this. Grab that child by the hand. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Now that's it, son. Bless your heart. That's it. Oh, come on. Come on. That's it, daughter. Come on. Oh, look at this. Look at this. See, that's sometimes you just got to give the Lord a little time. 
I said, sometimes you just got to live the Lord a little time. Help him get up here. Yay. Oh, come on. Sometimes you just got to. That's it. Come on, son. That's it, son. Uh, sometimes you just got to give the Lord a little time. Oh, that's okay. Come on. That's it. Y'all, this is powerful. Oh, there's not one thing that's hype about this. This is holy. <sighs> Bring them right on up. This is blessing my soul. Bring them right on up. Bring them right on up. Bring them right on up. Watch this. Look at me, y'all. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood. The blood. And I speak that over you guys, that God's got a plan for your life, and it's going to come to pass. And I speak that over you sisters and daughters, that we're not just coming to Jesus. give up our own way. We give up behaviors that don't fit with his word. And we say, Lord, now I want to follow you. I believe in you. Talking to you, <laughs> I do. Deep down in my soul. I believe in every young lady up here and every young man. So let's put our hand right on our heart. Okay? And today, we don't want to just come to Jesus. We want to follow him. So what does that mean? That means I don't want you to rush right out when this prayer is over. There's going to be people around you that are going to help you on this journey. I want all my staff to come up here. Anybody that operates in prayer, I want you to come and stand behind these. And they're going to help you make these steps that will change your life forever. I like this guy right here. What's your name, son? Mark, how many of y'all believe God's got a plan for this young man right here? Hand on your heart right here. Raise your other hand. Everybody pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I'm so glad that you love me. I'm so glad no matter what I'm struggling with, I can come to you, Jesus. So today, I'm repenting for all my sins. And I'm asking you, to take my heart and wash it clean. But I'm also saying, Lord, don't just take my heart. Take my whole life. Make me what you want me to be. In Jesus' name, I surrender everything to you. I give it all to you today. Lord, I'm saying that I don't want to just come to you. I want to follow you. So change my mind in Jesus' name. I want everybody that's at the altar, I want you to reach over and touch your neighbor's shoulder right now. Pastor Christian, did you want to say something? Apostle, just looking around, there's, there's 20 plus youth or young adults that's in this altar today. Yeah. And I talk with Pastor Anderson, we never do anything like this, but today,
since there's such a high volume of all of you, after your, our prayer team prays with you, I would like to just meet all of you and talk with you for a moment right here, right after our prayer team is done and connect with all of you on a personal level. Two minutes of your time, but just so many today, Apostle. We need to do that. So many. Look at what God can do in a generation when you give him a chance. All right. I want all of you to stretch your hands this way. We're going to pray over these precious people. You by live stream, if you prayed that prayer, if you'll just put salvation in the comments, we'll, we'll reach out to you. But I don't want you to rush out now. There's going to be people around you who will minister to you. He'll help you know what's next. Now, I'm going to hang out in the back, and I want to meet all of our guests. I want to hug your neck. But let's pray for these right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all these young people, all these folks that have come forward, Lord, to give themselves to you. I pray that this would be a moment that will transform everything about their lives. Those that are on live stream, God, they'll never be the same again. I bless them in Jesus' name. And I declare they don't just come to Jesus, they follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for restoring their identity. And we give you glory. In Jesus. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060 or you can visit calvaryfl.com slash give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.